This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Now, here's Patrick McEnroe. All right, people, time for another edition of Holding Court. Patrick McEnroe here. Sorry, I haven't had time to knock these out. Just been a little bit busy with uh, that tournament called the U.S. Open going on. But right now, it's Wednesday. We've got the men's quarterfinal, the final men's quarterfinal coming up tonight, the final women's quarterfinal as well. Uh, Medvedev just defeated Rublev in three straight sets. Boy, watching that first set tiebreak when Rublev had a 5-1 lead and all of a sudden you started to see ghosts of uh, junior tennis, okay? And these guys growing up together, Medvedev dominating Rublev early in their pro careers. And you could just see it start to turn. And Medvedev sort of knew it, comes back, finds a way to win that tie break uh, with, I think it was six points in a row. And Rublev, you could just see his wheels spinning, his wheels turning, that he's like, oh, here we go again. That's one of those matches where you see the remnants of what's happened in the past between two guys. They're great friends. Obviously, Medvedev's slightly more solid player, so that comes into account as well. But Rublev was absolutely outplaying him, in my opinion, in the opening set. Should have won the set. Didn't win it, I think, because of the history. Medvedev knew it when it got to the crunch time. You could see he was just being ultra-consistent, really solid. And then Rublev, it got to him early in the second set, and Medvedev wins that second set going away. Rublev got it back in the third, had chances again, uh, but in the end it was Medvedev, last year's finalist, through to the semifinals. He's been my pick from the start to get to the final. Now, obviously, with Djokovic out, he's still my pick, but I love the way Mr. Team has been looking. I told everybody during the Western and Southern a week and a half ago, don't, don't, don't go crazy that Team got drilled in his opening match against Krajinovic. Courts were lightning fast, particularly those outer courts where they were playing those matches. I knew that Team, especially when I saw the draw, that he had a pretty routine couple of matches to start things off, that he would start to find his A game, the conditions in Arthur Ashe Stadium and in Lewis Armstrong, not nearly as quick as the other courts, still quicker than they've been in years past, which I think has been a good decision, by the way, by the USDA. But team will take on Demonor uh, tonight, so maybe when you hear this, that match will already be over. I think team will win it. You know, three, couple of tight sets, maybe four. Demonor wins one. Demonor's feisty. Moves great, um, great counter-punching type of guy, but I just don't think he has a firepower to be able to deal with team uh, over best of five sets on this kind of surface in these conditions. Team is getting confident. Awesome display against Chilich for a couple of sets. Then it got a little bit interesting. So I like team Medvedev in the semifinal. That will be an absolute war, and I mean that in a good way. I mean, these two guys will go at it. They're, in my opinion, they're the two best players left in the draw. Zverev, he should beat Karenia Busta, but he's, he's not looked great. I mean, good for him to get to another semifinal after doing it in Australia. Uh, but uh, what I've seen from him doesn't lead me to believe that he can beat either team or Medvedev at this point. Now, I may be proved wrong, and maybe if those guys go at it so hard in team in Medvedev, you know, that could easily be a four-hour match, I think. I mean, the way these guys are playing and moving and how fit they are. So if that happens, then maybe, you know, if, if Zverev can get his A game and loosen up, be a little bit more aggressive when he can and keep that serve intact, 
certainly he's got the game and the firepower to beat these guys, but I don't see it. I'm still going to stay with Medvedev um, to win the whole thing. Now, Serena gets through this afternoon, another three-setter. I mean, she's winning now on will, okay, because she doesn't have the, um, the type of game that she had when she was dominated. We know that. We know that. I'm not even sure she's playing as well as when she first came back from uh, giving birth. You know, she's made four finals in majors, by the way. She's lost them all. Uh, but she's finding a way. She's willing herself. She's in better shape, okay, so she's able to last a little bit longer uh, in, in some, you know, she's had some really tough matches. I don't think she's moving great, but she's moving well. She's competing so hard, okay? You're seeing why she's the greatest of all time because when she's not at her best, the other, every player that goes out there against her now actually thinks they can win. They think they can win. In the past, I mean, maybe there are a couple of players that actually went out there thinking that they could actually beat her if she's playing well. Uh, now, I think the other players know that they can beat her. So it's going to be Serena. Again, I'm, I'm actually heading over shortly to get ready for Azarenka Mertens to kick things off for ESPN. Uh, then I'll be on this court side tonight for Team and Demonor. Looking forward to that with my bro and Chris Fowler in the booth. Uh, Azarenka Mertens is a tough call for me because Mertens you know, has played better in the last year, you know, couple years. Azarenka obviously has the more experience in the bigger matches, uh, and, and her, her highest level is, is better than Mertens' highest level over their career. But Mertens in the last year uh, has been the better player. She's more consistent. Now, Azarenka, you think, has more upside? Yes. So uh, that's a tight one tonight. Mertens hasn't, you know, she could get tight, although I think she's one of those players that because of the lack of a crowd um, is actually benefiting from that. She's benefiting from the fact that there's no, you know, the intensity of the crowd, the pressure that that brings, the press, walking to the practice courts, the TV cameras, all that stuff is totally different. All that off-court stuff this year is totally different. So you're still seeing the best players win, like Osaka, like Serena, obviously on the men's side as well. But I think you're seeing, you know, the players that you a little bit surprised to get this far. Okay, Karenia Boost has done it before, certainly. I don't think he's the kind of guy that it matters, <clears throat> excuse me, whether there's a crowd or not. But if you look at um, Jennifer Brady, I think she's an example of a player. If you just look at the X's and O's and the way she's playing, and I love what my colleague Mary Jo Fernandez said days ago, that she's playing the best tennis of anyone she's seen in the tournament so far. Now, of course, she steps up a major level in, in class going up against Naomi Osaka in the semifinals. But Jennifer Breda interviewed her yesterday, totally calm, wonderful young lady, um, played and trained at the Everett Academy from the age of 10 to 18. When I was working for the USTA, we would share the facility at the Everett Academy so we had some of our kids that were in the USDA program training down there, a lot of the best kids in the country. And Jennifer Brady, I'd always see her, and I'd see this girl with this big forehand, but she was you know, a little unruly with the way she played. Um, but, but people knew that she had the talent and the ability. And for whatever reason, um, she wasn't quite you know, mature enough. Her game hadn't developed enough in her teenage years. So she decided to go to college and go to UCLA played there for Stella Sampras, who's the head coach there, who's, yes, Pete Sampras' sister. And uh, 
really matured there. She had some issues, injury issues, which is why she never played one. I was joking about that with her in my interview uh, on ESPN the other day that she never played one. So that's just bizarre because now she's in the semis of the U.S. Open. But it's a great story and a great message to send to young players. It used to be just male players. Well, you could go to college, play for a year or two, go pro. Our guy James Blake, who's with us now, has been an awesome addition with us at ESPN, you know, went to Harvard for a couple of years. But there have, there have been very few players on the men's side. Obviously, you got Stevie Johnson and John Isner. There have been a few more in the last 10 years, but there were basically none for years in the women's game. I mean, none. Okay, a couple here and there. I'm sorry, don't Renee Stubbs will get mad at me. Lisa Raymond, who was her doubles partner, was a great college player, great doubles player, really good singles player as well. Gigi Fernandez. Uh, but you, you look like through the, 80, the 90s, uh, Lori McNeil went to Oklahoma State. There were very few players in the first couple of decades of this century that played, even thought about going to college if you were a top female player. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but now you've had Danielle Collins get to the semis of the major, uh, major. She went for four years, went to uh, Florida first, and then transferred to UVA to Virginia, played college tennis there. You've got um, Francesca DiLorenzo, a lefty, went to Ohio State. She hasn't quite made that big jump, but solid top 100 player. Uh, and now you've got Jennifer Brady. I'm, I'm forgetting a couple. I know. <coughs> Excuse me. When I do these pod by myself, I talk so much, I start to... Get a little tickle in my throat. Um, so Jennifer Brady is coming to her own. She hired her own coach, her own team. I think some of the young American players, <clears throat> you know, maybe get a little too dependent on the, a lot of the help they can get from the USTA or just being in this country and things being good and easy. Not easy, but not pushing it to another level. And I think Jennifer made the decision uh, in the last year or so that she was doing well, but she thought, you know, if I, if I push the envelope a little bit, uh, who knows what could happen. So she hired a German coach and a German trainer, spent a lot of time over there. And it's not like the Germans do anything. We, we have way more players in the U.S. as women, by the way, than German, Germany does on the female side. So it's not like there's some secret over there. There's no secret, but it was sometimes players need a different vibe. <clears throat> they need a different you know, set of circumstances to push themselves. Maybe you get laser focused in a different way. Some players handle that type of pressure. I'm spending my own money to get my own coach. I'm not relying on the federation, the Fed, whether you're the USTA or the Australian Federation, whatever it may be, these federations that have money. Um, so you get a little different uh, idea of what the what it's about, you know, how much you're spending. I'm investing in my future. Is it going to pay off? I got to work hard. Some players don't like that kind of pressure, but for obviously for Jennifer Brady, man, it's worked out well. She's got the game to stay with Osaka, no doubt about it. Okay, uh, but Osaka just hits a ball. I think just a little bit cleaner, a little bit earlier than Jennifer Brady. Jennifer Brady needs a little more time on the forehand, and I think Osaka is probably going to be the first player in the tournament that she's played, remember Brady's cruised through her matches. She hasn't dropped more than four games in one set, okay, in any of her five matches. Osaka's going to be the type of player that's going to make her react quickly, make her move quickly, and she's improved that a lot. <clears throat> but Osaka's got the ability off both wings to basically crush the ball and do it 
from on the baseline or inside the baseline quickly. So, yeah, there's some players that need more time. So by the time the ball gets to you, you're able to get in position and get set for your shot. Osaka is different because she has that quick strike off both wing. Great serve. She's serving really well. Both players come in with a little bit of a question mark about, you know, the leg, maybe a little bit sore, but I don't think that's going to be a factor in this one. Uh, if, it, if there were a crowd uh, in this one, I would give a big edge to Osaka. <clears throat> Without the crowd, I give the edge to Osaka, not quite as big of an edge um, as what you might think. But I still like Osaka. I think Brady has uh, <clears throat> had an unbelievable term, and she could win. I would not be shocked uh, if she wins this one. Uh, and you know, I think I might throw out another pod uh, after we, when we get set for the semifinals, men and women. I'll keep this one relatively short because I do have to run over and get ready for a little prime time at the U.S. Open. So enjoy these matches coming up, semifinals right ahead of us. It's been a weird, bizarre U.S. Open. I'll get into the Djokovic thing a little bit more at some point. I'll get into the dynamic of no crowd. I'll leave you with this, though. It was the right decision what happened with Djokovic. It was really the only decision. If you want to change a rule about <clears throat> the, the, the definition of what is hitting the ball in anger and so on, then you can change the rule. But the way the rule is written now, there was really no choice. There was not really. There was no choice for the tournament referee that, other than <clears throat> to disqualify him. And the other thing I want to get into at some point is just a weirdness. I, I called it eerie with my brother John. He called a match, you know, late night, took the shot the ball off Karina Busta. You leave, the, you leave the booth, you know, the crowd's going crazy. You walk around, you see people, and, and that's sort of the energy of it. Not just what happens, you know, during the match, but after the vibe around the grounds. It's just been really weird um, dealing with that. So sometimes you, I walk out of there, I feel kind of empty at night. Like, this just had this great match. You're used to seeing the fans as you leave, and, hey, great match. What am, you know, people talking to you about, about different players and so on. So we've missed that this year. I must say the players have stepped up and have done an unbelievable job. The competitiveness, the intensity has been off the chart. So we'll get back quickly. I hope you enjoyed this quick little pod. Uh, enjoy the rest of the U.S. Open, everyone. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media. Mudhouse Media.